You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hey guys, it's Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer Publisher. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and thank you to all of our great VIP members, our podcast listeners, our YouTubers. We appreciate you a lot. But the lifeblood of all of this is our VIP memberships. The 5,000 plus of you, we cannot thank you enough for your support that allows us to operate the way that we do, to hire good employees like Joey Wagner, Derek Piper, and everybody else, and to do this for a living, to travel with the Illini and cover the team the way we think your team should be covered. And right now, if you are not a VIP member, I suggest you do because it is the best deal of the year. Our Black Friday sale, 75% off your first year of a VIP membership to Illini Inquirer. That is more than $90 of savings. So for just seven cents a day, 52 cents a week, and $2.24 a month, $27 for the entire year, you can get the best Illini coverage there is. So I encourage you, sign up right now at IlliniInquire.com. We have the links all up there for you to see for a VIP membership. Thank you all. Happy Thanksgiving. And let's get to the podcast. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, Michael Tulip, our On Enquirer basketball analyst, joins us to break down what we've learned about Illinois basketball through five games, including back-to-back wins over Valparaiso and Southern. Not always pretty, but there's some really good things, and Michael Tulip breaks down why the defense has been so encouraging. He breaks down why the Illinois offense is something to be concerned about and what Brad Underwood and his staff need to do during this you know, two weeks where you only have one game what they can do to help that offense. He breaks down what he's seen out of Terrence Shannon, how he's taking his game to the next level. What he's seen out of the freshman, Nicolo Moretti. Uh, We'll see what the injury is with him later today when Brad Underwood, I'm recording this on Wednesday, speaks with the media. But also Amani Hansberry, why he's so encouraged about Amani and who he needs to step up to be a secondary scorer on this team to complement Terrence Shannon. We talk about that. We talk about what we've seen out of college basketball the last couple days, including how good is Marquette? How good is Purdue? That's all coming up next, right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with Home Field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the Basketball Ringer Tee, the Rose Tee, and the 1980s Long Sleeve with the script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. Using that code Illini23 gets you 15% off your first order. We all know you're wearing Illini gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think that you should check out Home Field Apparel, which has the best designs, and these shirts, guys, are really comfortable. Their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Home Field is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. 
It's time to catch up with Mike Latulip. And Mike, it's feast week, man. This is fun basketball we get to watch. I was watching Marquette, Kansas last night. That uh, Illinois effort against Marquette might hold up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, that's that's one of the better, if not the best team that I've, I've seen so far. Um, they're just, they have it all. They have it, what feels like at every position. They play with pace. Their pace, even offensively, and the how frantic they play defensively just speeds you up. You saw that how that affected Kansas and the way they turned the ball over last night. So yeah, that's, it's definitely aging well for sure. What stands out to you about Tyler Kolick? I, I mean, you name it. He's, he's a big reason why they can play with the pace that they play with. And he's a big reason why a lot of their offensive possessions are finishing in quality shots. And, and then defensively, he just, he flies around, he competes. He had a couple Blocked shots last night. He he stripped a few guys, and um, again, it's just really it's really hard to fathom that he was a guy that started his career at George Mason. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, how, I mean, how does it's 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 hard to fathom that you could miss on a guy like that yeah. or not want a guy like that? Because I don't think I'm, I don't think he's changed drastically. He's gotten better, obviously, but I don't think the way he plays has changed changed drastically since he's been in high school. Yeah, and the other thing for Maui, uh, I know Isaac Trotter did a great story on Dalton Connect and why he was overlooked or why he slipped through the cracks. But I can't wait to see Terrence Shannon play Dalton Connect. That's going to be a fascinating matchup. I hope the Illini are ready to shoot thirty five free throws because that that's that's what that game is shaping up to be. And yeah, Connect is Connect's a stud. Um, just the size and his ability is his skill level. I thought I thought Purdue actually did a really good job last night getting into gaps and and really preventing him from from getting by anybody they were just they completely collapsed um their defense to, mm-hmm. to try to prevent him from getting into those gaps and led to some turnovers and just led to him not really getting going much at all in the second half so i thought that was a that was a big reason purdue pulled that out but yeah man he's He's a dog, man. He's tough. Yeah, we're recording this before the Maui Championship game. But yeah. uh, P- Purdue carrying that flag for the Big Ten right now, Mike. They're doing doing a lot of heavy lifting for the Big Ten in this non-conference. Yeah, no question. I, and honestly, I, I didn't think they were particularly great yesterday. Right. Uh, there was they, they struggled in a lot of different areas. Um, so if they continue to figure it out, I mean, Braden Smith still struggling with some turnovers from time to time. And I think they're trying to figure out rotations, how to mix in some of those freshmen, uh, similar to Illinois, I think, um, where they're, they're, I don't think they've quite landed on who they feel like they're going to trust come conference play. So yeah, it's going to be a high level game tonight. I'm excited to see just the different matchups. You got Kolick and Smith, you got Iguodaro and Edie, you got lawyer slash Jones uh, against Jones. So (laughs) Man, it's yeah. Is that tell me that's not another eleven thirty or ten thirty tip? I mean, uh, if it is, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. I'll be watching anyways. Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching it regardless. Um, man, the guard play of Marquette is just is just ridiculous. Um, and then Iguodaro is just so, so good. It's just I love watching that team right now. But uh, it's it's going to be a great early season matchup, early, early test for for both those teams. Um, but Mike, I was having the conversation with somebody. Uh, on Friday as we were watching Illinois against Valpo and I was like who's the second best team in the Big Ten like if you had to bet on somebody right now who would it be and I was like is it Michigan and then they end up losing right (laughs) they end up losing to a a lower level team so uh, that's going to be probably the conversation the rest of the year is is who is really going to push Purdue can anyone really push Purdue yeah I I mean 
I'm even trying to sit here and think who that second team would would be right now. Um, I know I know Wisconsin's lost a couple games. They they really handled Virginia um, the other day, and I think I don't know. You go on down the list. I mean, Illinois is unblemished outside of the Marquette game. And that's just, that's a really, really good team. They already showed in the exhibition game that they knocked off Kansas. So there's, there's a few teams I think are up there. Um, but there's, there's no question that Purdue's kind of in a league of its own right now. Yeah. That's an afternoon tip off Purdue Marquette, by the way. So don't kind of stay up late for that one. All right, Mike, we've seen Illinois twice since playing Marquette, lower level opponents struggle with Valpo early. Um, obviously didn't get going to the second half there. And then uh, against Southern, not a great start with all the turnovers, but uh, they end up running away with that one. What did you learn from those two games? Just still a long way to go. Um, still a lot to figure out. They've been elite defensively, and it's going to have to stay that way for them to overcome some of the offensive struggles. And, and, just, and some of that stems from personnel. I, I think when you look at this summer – and I know we talked about this before, but it's why it's why everyone was so engaged in the in the portal and engaged in what was going to happen at the point guard spot. Because there's been just times that uh, it's kind of reared its head, both in negative ways and in positive ways. Because when you see a Nico Moretti in there, you're like, "Whoa, okay, this looks this looks a little bit different." So we'll see. I mean, I don't know the extent of of his injury, but um, but. Look, that's not to say that because of those personnel issues that they can't win 20-plus games or they can't go to an NCAA tournament or they can't be right up there in the top of the Big Ten, but it makes it a little bit difficult, and you got to be perfect in these other areas. you got to be really good like they are right now defensively, and then you're, you're probably going to have to shoot a little better. You, you definitely have to make some more free throws. Um, absolutely have to make some more free throws because when you already have a, an offense that – struggles at times to generate stuff then you got to convert on the free ones so that's what i'm looking for uh that's kind of what what i've gathered from the first really from the first five games so um if they can continue to figure some things out offensively and put guys in in better positions to be successful then you know i think you can uh you can make a run at this thing so we'll get an update from Brad Underwood, 3 o'clock presser today, so we're recording this before that, um, of what Nico Moretti's injury is. I, I would speculate that he's going to miss some time here uh, if it's a sprain or whatever it is. Brad Underwood said it's a foot. Um, but if he's able to come back at some point in the next month, Mike, and how does he get a role? Like, is there a role that Nico Moretti can play, um, or, or what are the challenges to him earning that role? Well, it's all it's a give and a take, right? Because – you know, if you put him in offensively, maybe you're a little bit better. Maybe things flow a little bit better, but you're you're not as good defensively. That's not that's not even anything against him. I mean, this is like high high level defense that's being played in these first few games. So it's it's how much they want to like does does the does what he provide offensively or what he provides offensively level out with with the drop off defensively? That's just something you have to figure out and. We still haven't really seen him against kind of high-level competition. Right. But, you know, being in, the, in these non-conference games, it, it is good to have a guy like him that you can throw in that just kind of settles things down and sets the table. Just remains to be seen what he can, how he can contribute uh, and how he holds up defensively against um, some of these higher-level teams and, and definitely in, in Big Ten play. Because you better believe that, 
you know, they'll, these coaches, these Big Ten coaches will, will find the weak link, uh, especially when you have in a really, really good defense like this. They'll do everything they can to avoid the Terrence Shannons, to avoid the Ty Rogers, the Coleman Hawkins, and they'll try to find the the Nico Moretti's. So, and that goes for for all those bench guys. You just you you can't be you can't have any drop off when you come into the game. Um, so that's that's it'll be interesting to see how they how they work him in if they work him in. Um, it's good to know you at least have someone there that can set the table a little bit and, and get things flowing offensively. Coleman Hawkins' injury provided opportunity for both Dane Danger who probably gained some confidence especially making two or four free throws last game but Amani Hansberry as well what what did you see from Amani that can translate into bigger games if it can yeah I mean he's doing everything he's asked to do um he limits mistakes he plays with motor and I think the two things that really stick out when you watch him uh are, are really two things that don't even involve him having the ball and it's his activity and drop coverage uh, he has this innate ability, and we'll see once again as as competition ramps up, but he has an innate ability to where he can offer help in the drop while also staying level with the roller, not letting the roller get behind him. There are a couple times where you know there's penetration down the middle, and instead of we talk about never helping uphill, um, he finds a way to, to help at the level of his guy while also being able to get back to his guy and, and deter the shot. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing that that I'll mention, too, is probably better than anybody on this team, uh, he sprints out of his roles. Mm. And, uh, and if you stick around for the film, you'll see what gravity that causes and and how that opens up things offensively. And those are I'm telling you, like those are the marginal things that when you when you don't have the ideal, all the ideal pieces offensively, those those things matter. And. You know, it's not turn and shuffle for him. Set, turn, shuffle. Because a lot of times guys shuffle because it's a way for them to get their feet to be able to receive the pass. But, you know, Big's got to understand that probably, I don't know, 80%, 80 to 90% of the times you roll, you're probably not going to get the ball. Mm -hmm. So sprint. Like that's that's just the way to free up the rest of your teammates. And he does that. Like he, I, like I said, I'll show you the film. Really good at it. Yeah. Um, and if he continues to do those, do those things, dependability plays, man. Yeah, it does. I've talked about before. Brad Underwood looks down the bench and he locks eyes with each each one of those guys. There's a trust level for each of them, and Amani Hansberry's gaining trust. There's no question. Does anything Dane Danger did against lower level opponents translate uh, against the huge opponents that are coming up? Well, I, I think for Dane, you've already seen what he can do against against higher level opponents. You know, he's, he's good around the basket. There's no question. Um, he's just got to figure out the free throws, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about a game in Knoxville where that's going to be a physical game. And, and honestly, this is – if you're an opposing team, why would you not be as physical as possible with Illinois right now? Mm -hmm. They get to the bonus, okay. I mean, you're shooting a little over 50% from the free throw line. So – I, you know, and it's almost like the feeling sometimes when Dane gets in there and he kind of has a wide, you know, maybe an open one and then shot fakes and then gets fouled and you're kind of like, oh. mm -hmm. like he had two and now this may not be two now, um, whereas it is for, for some other guys. So it's it's interesting because I know that his free throw percentage is, is definitely 
pulling down the team a little bit. Uh, I, I go back to two years ago, Kofi shot over 200 free throws and, you know, shot it better than Dane. I, I think he was, I think off the top of my head, I think he was low 60s yeah. maybe. Um, but the rest of those guys, man, I mean, Plummer was close to 90. Grandison was close to 90. RJ Melendez took 20 free throws and made 17 of them. Uh, Trent was was mid 80s, mid to low 80s, and that's man late game. That it for Dane, it's going to limit the minutes that he can play. Like it's going to be hard to have him in there late game because it, odds are you're closer, if not in the bonus. So and Ty's dealt with that a couple times this year. Ty dealt with that against Kansas, um, but you know we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, there's already somewhat of a proof of concept for Dane. And that could be a positive and that could be a negative because you kind of already know what he is. And for Amani, you don't really, you don't really fully know. No. So maybe you explore more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ty Rogers, are, are we kind of overlooking what he's done so far this year, Mike? Because defensively, he is every coach talks about him. Every opposing coach talks about Ty Rogers' defense along with Terrence Shannon. Uh, and he is scoring a little bit. Uh, obviously, the, the free throws got to continue to improve. But what have you seen from him through five games? I, I, I do appreciate how much he knows himself. Mm-hmm. I think that's just so important. And stubbornness and being defiant with what your role is is the quickest way to not reach your ceiling collectively as a team and man, he's he's a big reason why they are so good defensively right now when you can put him at the point of attack at 6-6 right uh great athlete flies around i mean he plays every minute matters for him you could tell when he when he's playing out there um regardless of the score regardless of you know the time of the game uh, he's he's the same guy and there's there's a lot of value in that so yeah absolutely and and i think he started to make free throws at a little better rate as well which is which is good uh, it's still not where you want it to be but you can tell he's getting more confident with it and and he was also a big part of them finishing better around the basket mm-hmm. uh, against southern just valpo they were it was i was there live it was crazy i almost thought they were intentionally missing missing layups and then and then they they're able to stick him back against southern and um he stays around that area he can eliminate some of like the 15 foot runners and and stuff because i'm not sure he he really needs to do that um but really impressive and i i just really like his demeanor you can tell it's never you know when you're there uh live you can be some of the like bill simmons body language doctor um and you just never see you never see bad body language with him. Yeah. And that's again as a staff, I mean, that's something that gives you, you know, a, a good feeling because you know, not everyone is not every guy reacts that way. And when they don't get all the offensive touches or looks, you know, you can guys can go a different way, and Ty doesn't do that. Listen, I know it was against uh, a lower level team. 
in Southern, but you see Terrence Shannon's ability to to take over games against Southern and Valpo. Uh, he ended up with 21 points against Marquette. My, he is just a physical freak. <laughs> when I watch him, it's just like there's not many guys that that are like this. What have you seen from Terrence so far this season? Because it, it's been pretty dang consistent production, and I've seen. Maybe it needs to be better early in games, but I have seen an assertiveness from him that wasn't always there last year. Yeah, well, you can tell that there is no wondering for him whether or not he's the guy. Uh, I mean, you just even you go look at the season stats, um, right? It's him and then it's everyone else from a points per game standpoint. But look, to call a spade a spade, and we did the film, Terrence was not good in the last five minutes against Marquette. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't. Uh, he, he was maybe he was tired there were some miscues defensively missed box outs um you know he missed missed the layup at the at the front of the rim um but his energy and effort ha has been off the charts in these last few games and and they need that and he needs to continue to pull guys with him because he needs help <laughs> And he's he's gonna need help as this as this season goes on. Uh, he's playing more off of two feet. I think I sent you a text on Friday night every time I saw it, and it led to free throws. Mm -hmm. But it's less about him playing off of two feet so that it leads to free throws, and more about him playing off two feet to preserve himself. Because, I mean, how, how many times do we see with him when he's barreling down off of one foot, and you know you get a guy taking a charge or sliding in late, and now you're holding your breath as he's kind of heading face first to the ground um they had you know his his health is is probably first priority for this team mm -hmm. if you don't have Terrence Shannon it, it there's the potential for this to get ugly so making sure that you know and and this is on Underwood too where it's like hey man six and six six and a half minutes left in the game you're up 35 let's Let's get him out. Let's yes. uh, let's pull the plug a little bit. Let's uh, make sure that we still have uh, our guy moving into these next games. The point is, Mike, because he's carrying such a huge load, such yeah. offensively, defensively. Uh, he's so important to what this team does. But if he's on the court for thirty minutes a game, like I feel like Illinois, most games is going to have the best player on the court. Like he he is just his return to Illinois for another year was just so massive for this program because of what he does now on both ends. And, and I'm seeing stuff defensively out of him this year that I didn't see consistently last year. Yeah, and, and look, the, the defensive stuff too, I think you got to be – on, on one side of it, you definitely commend the kid for wanting to step up and take the challenge. We, we've heard in multiple games now where he's just like, hey, move aside. I got whoever whoever's killing us right now. I got him. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's a reason why he doesn't start off on those guys is because right. if, if Terrence Shannon gets two quick fouls, you're behind the eight ball pretty quick. So, yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's got to be selective with that. I think, you know, there's certain moments where he can step up and say, I'm ready to accept the challenge. But uh, Big Ten teams especially are, are going to say, hey, how can we put Terrence Shannon in, in a position to pick up fouls so we can get him out of the game and make life easy for us? Um, so we'll see. But, again, he needs someone else to emerge. He just does. Um, I had this question with Derek. Who's going to lead – who's the second leading scorer on this team? I think it should be Marcus Domask. Should be. But we've only seen one game of that, of double figures out of him so far. Uh, how do they get that out of him? Who is it Goody? Can it be Danger Coleman? Like, what do you see there? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it should be Marcus Damask. It should be. Uh, I just think the way that the offense will flow through him, and if you can make – and it, it really needs to be because we saw in that Kansas game when they started doing some of that split-screen action, if Marcus Damask isn't assertive and Marcus Damask isn't a threat, then when you put him and Terrence in those split-screen actions, there won't be as much paranoia for Marcus that frees up Terrence. So that's what you kind of got to battle. Luke's been awesome. Yeah, Luke's been fantastic. But Luke, Luke right now is, is, you know, what Luke needs to be. And that's good positionally defensively. And that's, that's competing. And that's, that's catch and shoot threes uh, and being a marksman out there. And he's done that. And I think Marcus is still trying to figure out where his place is on this team. It's like, well, am I kind of a catch and shoot guy? Okay. Well, they want me to handle the ball a little bit. So I'll come off screens but he's you know 95 percent of the screen ball screens that marks damas is coming off he's he's taking two dribbles east west and and reversing it so is that the best recourse for you know trying to get a guy in, involved like that um but he's just got to be more more aggressive he is you know he was solid against kansas and he was solid against marquette yeah. so i don't understand why i'm watching a game against southern where he looks timid yeah it's it's you know, it, it'll it'll take time for sure, but dude, believe it, man. You you did it against one of the best teams in the country. You can do it on a nightly basis, and and the rest of these guys need that from him. So I think in a perfect world, it does it does end up being Marcus. Feels like Quincy Guerrier's dealing with that wrist injury that might be holding him back as a shooter right now. Uh, he's one of sixteen, I believe, from three. That's really draining his offense. But we see what he gives the team. When he attacks the basket, rebound. I'm not too concerned about him if, if he just needs to make some threes moving forward. Justin Harmon has gotten some stats late in these last two games. How does he carve out the role that Illinois needs? I, I think between him and Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, someone has to emerge. Like someone has to. And Justin probably has the edge right now because he's an older guy and They'll probably make less mistakes defensively and and probably make less mistakes offensively. Mm-hmm. Dre probably has a higher ceiling between the two, but you gotta win games. So you gotta find that balance between, hey, how do we how much do we put these guys out there to figure out what we have without it potentially hurting us? And Justin, you can tell uh, one thing that I've been really impressed with for him is just his pursuit on the offensive glass. Um, some of the defensive rebounding stuff, you know, everybody was talking about all the rebounding against Valpo. I'm like, there were a lot of missed shots. Yes. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, right. you know, like I, you look, it's like guy has nine rebounds, eight rebounds, seven rebounds, seven rebounds. I'm like, I mean, there were 110 rebounds to be had in that game. Mm-hmm. So someone was going to get up. There was just a ton of, just a, a lot of missed shots. So, yeah, I mean, for Justin, again, in a perfect world, he's a guy that is a, a, a big part of this rotation. It's why you went out and got him. It's what you thought you had with him. So I think he's struggling right now to figure out who he is as well and, and where he fits in on this team. But there's just got to be a lot of le- a lot less guessing yeah. from these guys because you can keep looking around, but it's it's them. I mean, yes, you have Terrence Shannon, but you these other guys, it's time to go. It's time to roll. Because the next thing you know, conference play is going to start – and if you're wondering about role allocation and role identity and all that in February, you have a problem. All right, so you got Western Illinois Friday night. Uh, they've lost to UTSA, SMU, and Valpo uh, on the road at Valpo. 
But Mike, this I feel like this is a huge two week stretch for the coaching staff and for this team with all of this practice. We'll see if Coleman Hawkins returns. I think that would be important if he's healthy uh, to get him back, maybe a game under his belt. But you basically have one game in 12 days, and then Rutgers on the road, Florida Atlantic at a neutral site, and then at Tennessee, which, boy, if Illinois can get 60-plus points in that one, that'll, that might surprise me. So what do you think these 12 days are have been like for Illinois in practice and what it means for them? Well, you, you have a five-game sample size now, regular season sample size. So you go back, you 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 look at all your data, you look at all your lineups. Um, I mean, think about that lineup against Southern that really kind of blew that thing open. There were a couple freshmen in there, right? Amani and, and Dre were were in those lineups. Um, so you look at that and you just try to you try to decipher and say, okay, well, what's who puts us in the best position to win moving forward? Um, what does that look like? How can we drill that in practice? And then I think offensively, there's just a lot. Defensively, you're 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 on you're on a good pace. Yeah, right can, we, can we say like this team could be elite defensively? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll 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 dive into it right now because I think it's yeah. it's super relevant. But uh, you, you want to keep in place what you have defensively because right now they're they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They're forcing tough twos. They're limiting three point attempts. And the best way that I can describe that is through some of these stats that you can find on on Ken Palm. Yeah. So let's talk about the limiting three-point attempts. So when you look at the percentage of three-point attempts that make up your field goal attempts, right, the, the national average is roughly 37%. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have teams like Creighton that shoot 55% of 55% of their shots are threes. Illini opponents are shooting 27% of their shots are threes. Mm-hmm which is good for 17th nationally. So when you're in drop coverage, I talk about it all the time. And there's probably people sitting there like, dude, this is a tally on their wall. They're like, this is the 50th time you've mentioned this. But when you're in drop coverage, the whole point is to keep you out of rotation. If you're out of rotation, you don't give up a ton of threes. So check, mm-hmm. okay? And then how about forcing tough twos? The stat you look at is is the two-point percentage, which is at 38% for Illini opponents. But the, the, the real stat that I'm looking at that really, I think, paints that picture is when you look at, okay, how many of the field goals that or the percentage of the field goals that Illini opponents are scoring, how many of them are assisted? Mm. Okay. Kansas assists on 77% of their baskets, which is good for first nationally as an offense. Okay. The, the national average is 50%. So 50% of your your field goals are, are typically assisted this Illini defense again 27 percent of their opponent's baskets are assisted and that tells me that there isn't a ton of rotation there's not a ton of catch and shoot opportunities there's not a ton of breakdowns in the defense to where guys are are you know dishing off for layups or easy baskets it's all off the dribble pull-ups and look that may hurt you in a half yes but as a game goes on, that's it's what happened against Valpo. Yep. The quality of shot. Now there were less runouts for Valpo because of the turnovers, but the quality of shot didn't really change a ton. It's just over the course of a game, you're fine with that. So that's why I think that could contribute at times when you look like, oh man, you're getting off to these slower starts. But they're quote unquote easier shots because they're closer in from three. 
But over the course of a game, those those aren't high percentage shots. So I, I wanted to go off on that tangent with their defense because there's just not much that you want to change there. Yeah. And it's you also don't want to feel like you have it figured out. Like there's a you're you're coming into each game with like a great game plan defensively and all that. So you want to keep it that way. You want to keep that same hunger on that end. And then offensively, you, you got to, you know, if you're the staff, you got to go and workshop some things. Yeah, let me get to that here. But yeah, that assist number, assist to field goals made 27.8%, second in the country. As you, I think you right. said the Division One average, 50%. They're fifth in effective field goal percentage. I know the opponent is involved here, Mike, but those are still really, really encouraging numbers. And I think they translate, uh, especially when you get into Big Ten play here. Offensively. What are you workshopping? If you're Brad Underwood's staff with the five-game sample size you have, your offense has to be better. How do you get more out of the personnel you have? Yeah, I think you, like you said, you look at the personnel. And look, the personnel that you have right now, good and bad, is is on the staff, right? Like it's yes. it's this offseason, I won't dive into it, right? Ray J. Dennis, but go on down the list. I mean, there's a reason why those guys it's the reason, would have... It's the reason we were so preoccupied with it. Because yeah. this team is a good point guard away from being yeah. a great team. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think when schematically, I liked a lot of the split stuff that they did uh, against Kansas. The problem is you just don't have Coleman right now. Mm-hmm. So if Coleman comes back, you can implement some more of that. But they've, they've been heavier ball screen than I think they would like to be over these past few games. And that those ball screens are leading to playing in the middle third of the floor. And I've talked about the middle third of the floor. The middle third of the floor is great because, you know, if you have facilitation, because they can make those reads and you're driving into close quarters and everybody still kind of has to help in and honor you to where you can make those reads. But if you don't have guys that can make those reads, then you probably need to play in the outer thirds of the floor, right? If you play in the outer thirds of the floor, which they really did against Kansas. I mean, there were some ball screen opportunities. And if you can reject ball screens or cleared side um, to, to where you can use your strength a little bit. I mean, these guys are big guards. And so rejecting ball screens is always great because typically quicker guards, if you're coming off a ball screen, maybe you can keep them on your hip. Mm-hmm. But at times they can go under because of maybe the shooting for some of these guys. Um, you alleviate that if you're rejecting screens or even if you're implementing actions where I think I'll still, I'll beat the drum. I'll continue to beat the drum. I I think Ty Rogers, Terrence Shannon, Marcus Damask um, should be posted. They should like that. To me, that should end up being your identity as, as a team because they're all good passers out of that too. Right? Exactly. Like you're like, I would rather have, Dane is Dane is good in the low post. There's no question. The downside is turnovers at times and free throw shooting. So the more guys that you can get in the low post that draw attention, that maybe make it a little bit easier to pass out and have have vision of the court, and then you know you're you're potentially drawing fouls. You're posting because odds are it's a mismatch. If it's a mismatch, then you're they're either sending someone else or you can go and finish through somebody and potentially get a foul. Go shoot more free throws. But I know free throws probably send a shiver yeah. down some, everyone's spine, but if it's the primarily Damask and Shannon, that's not bad. Right. That's not a bad thing. So we'll see. We'll see what they what they work in and, and how they shift some things around. But I think 
when you look at the person, we talked about personnel. You don't really have a point guard. We'll see what happens with Nico, but your personnel is big guards. Yep. So I, I'm not sure you're utilizing it as much as you could if you just send them off of ball screens. So how can you find ways to post them? I think that's that could be maybe it's not your it's it's not your whole offense, but ways where you can generate easy looks. Mike, anything you're looking for against Western Illinois before I let you go? Just just energy and effort. That's mm-hmm. that's what those games come down to. Um, you know, guys, right? As as guys start to figure out their roles, you want to make sure that you're 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 keeping a, a tight knit unit because um, teams can fray around the holidays, Christmas time when they start realizing, oh man, this these are the actual minutes I'm going to play this year. And mm-hmm. we we talked about it back in the spring or the summer or the fall where it's like, hey, team chemistry is awesome in the spring, summer, and fall because shooting slumps haven't happened, uh, minutes haven't happened, shot allocation hasn't happened. So now you kind of have that stuff. So some of these guys that maybe aren't playing as much as they thought they would or aren't getting the opportunity they thought they would, what kind of teammate are you? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be pivotal when you hit in, when you head into not only Big Ten play, but these, these really – tough games because you're going to need guys to be on their a game and if they're a shell themselves or or internalizing everything now when we get in foul trouble in, in knoxville and i point to you to go in and and you're you know you're sulking or you're into yourself like you're not you're not giving us the best chance to succeed so that's always the challenge that's a challenge with every team so and that's body language that's you know, just your mentality, your approach. It's it's a very underrated aspect of this game. Michael Tope, you're the goods. We'll talk to you next week, man. Uh previewing some some huge games for Illinois. All right, man. Let's do it. Great stuff as always from Michael Tuop. We appreciate his insight and time as always. And we'll have him throughout the college basketball season. Later this week on the podcast, we will have Matt Fortuna breaking down Northwestern, David Braun getting hired there, what he's seen from Illinois, and the college football carousel and college football at large the rest of the way here. And uh, Joey Wagner will join me to break down Illinois against Northwestern. And then, of course, we got Illinois against Western Illinois on Friday night, followed by Illinois fighting for a bowl game in that Land of Lincoln Trophy. So we got plenty coming up at Illini Inquirer. Of course, don't miss out. I'm at 75% off VIP deal going on right now. It is the best time to sign up for an Illini Inquirer membership. It's just $29 for your first year, $0.07 cents a day for the best Illini coverage. So if you haven't tried now, uh, haven't tried yet, try now. And uh, Michael Tuop just did a film breakdown with him about Imani Hansberry. Some great stuff from him on that. I'm, I'm telling you. Michael Tuop and Jay Lehman are worth the price admission alone with their film breakdowns. I just learned so much about the sport and the teams we watch, uh, and I encourage you to check those out if you don't already. All right, everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.